Welcome back, podcast listeners. Today's episode of the DK Project is brought to you by the Hair Studio in Chaska. Full service hair salon. They're up and running with all the appropriate measures. You know, masks, gloves, blah, 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 blah. Check your temperature. You know, pandemic hair salon. Real deal stuff. They're finally getting caught up and uh, have some openings. So if uh, you're in need of getting the old hair cut, colored, trimmed, permed, straightened, flattened, whatever you uh, whatever you need, they can handle it. Look them up. They're in the Mill Building at 500 North Pine Street, Suite 102 in Chaska. Head on over there or give them a call, 952-368-0900. That's 952-368-0900. And don't forget to tell them you heard about it on the DK Project. Now on to the episode. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! All right. Welcome back, podcast fans. Another episode of The DK Project. Off and rolling. Zooming in today. Believe it or not, we've got another Darren. We're Darren squared today. Even though I don't know that his is spelled correctly. We're not gonna we're not gonna split hairs. I don't I'm not here for that. But uh we've got Darren Bruce with us today. He is a DJ extraordinaire. I mean, what uh, what exactly are we titling you? Uh I would be called an executive producer of live streaming DJs. Ooh. I took my passion and love for electronic music after being a, an avid nightclub goer and uh, merged it with my passion for video production. I've been producing films since I, short films, little films, ever since my dad bought a first VHS camera in the 80s. So I was playing around with that, turned around in high school, uh, took the first ever video production class offered in Washington State at my high school, came right out of high school and started working on public access television on yeah. a hip hop television show. And, and started going more out to the nightclubs because I was of age to get into some of these nightclubs and just always wondered why people weren't bringing, weren't filming the experience. They would talk about the experience. Were you at the club last night? Did you hear that DJ set? It was awesome. Well, nobody was videoing that. So I said, well, why don't I start bringing video cameras into the nightclubs and start interviewing the DJs, interviewing the celebrities. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, worked on that with a few nightclubs, but then I just built a small studio in my house and started inviting DJs to come over and play at my house because dragging around lighting gear, three cameras, multi-cam, audio boards, everything, and setting that up in a nightclub in some basement, you know, where nobody's seeing you, you know, it didn't get the exposure that we were really looking for. Right. And that's until we put the video online and we're disseminating these on broadcast television uh, through the, the local NBC affiliate here. And then we got into podcasting and using that as our main platform and eventually took it up to where in 2009, we switched it all over to live streaming. So we live stream and podcast the series called the DJ sessions. And, um, it was, a, it was like the first few months of the show was just local DJs. Like my friends, my, all my friends that played in the nightclubs. Yeah. And earlier that year I had gone to winter music conference in 2009 and I ended up interviewing a, a number of famous DJs, Dave Dresden from Dresden and Gabriel being one of them. Wow. So it was somewhere around, I think, December-ish, November, December-ish, 2009, Dave Dresden was coming to town to play at one of the local nightclubs. And I contacted this PR person and said, hey, would he be able to do an interview with us and come by and play a set on the show? 
And she was like, yeah, sure. Nice. So Dave Dresden comes over and literally plays my bedroom. Wow. That's, not, think it was my that's not easy to do. I know, I know when I booking guests on the podcast, it's not easy to get people to come over. And then when you tell them that it's in your bedroom, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's a exactly. tough sell. And it was funny at the time, I, uh, one of my, one of my ex-girlfriends, my, one of my best friends now, she was watching the show and I'd always tell everyone, we're coming to you live from the new improved ITV live studios. <laughs> and she goes, that's not new studios. That's your bedroom. I know the paint on the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when Dave Dresden, I, I kind of said, wow, we're onto something here. We yeah. could take this a step bigger. And, and then we started booking more A-list celebrities to come on the show. And um, it was kind of the show was always focusing to focus on the, the local independent DJ who didn't have a lot of exposure, couldn't get on broadcast television, couldn't get on MTV or the, the major channels at that time. Let alone I, I, what I ended up doing is I, I built a studio and DJs would then rent time for me, like a recording studio to produce their video content on the show. They would actually pay me to be on the show and that would help our operating costs you know, pay for the rent, pay for the, the internet, yeah. which is a killer, um, you know, because live streaming takes up bandwidth and yeah. the server and the website and all that fun stuff. And, and then we'd start having kind of parties at the studio with these A-listers coming by and hanging out. So when you're when you're live streaming these, uh, are they on, is it on network TV? Uh, not not anymore. No, we, we actually have moved over to an entirely digital platform where we are now with Twitch. We're a featured partner with Twitch and have been for two years. Uh, we use all the podcasting delivery methods out there. So you can find us on iTunes or, or okay. uh, Stitcher, you know, all that fun stuff. But mainly we direct everyone back to our website, the DJ because all of our, our website ingests our podcast basically. And so as we update episodes, I have nine episodes I have to upload right now. I put them into our feed. It updates over to our website, which is ah, kind of okay. like a custom build, which is just nice to have our servers kind of, populating that so that. is the, the so the podcast is that uh interviewing the djs or are they playing a little or what are we doing yeah we've been focusing a lot more on the djs actually playing music as of as of late um we will be going back to the interview format once we dial things in uh we were just getting ready to launch everything back in may or march of this year and everything got put on hold because all the part everywhere where we went to go do our shows was closed down right so then we came back in May when they started opening things up again. And then there was other stuff that was going on in the world that we decided to take a hiatus from doing our shows on. And, and then just this last weekend, we went full launch. So we're doing basically 16 to 20 hours of content a week is what we're looking at, which translates to 16 to 20 shows per week because each DJ comes on and plays for about an hour. Wow. So is that basically... Like you've created a radio station of sorts for DJs in the new yeah, you technology. Yeah, say that. I mean, before before March, I would say that if there was ten million DJs in the world, let's just this is I'm just using an arbitrary number. Ten yeah. million DJs in the world, I'd say maybe twenty to fifty thousand of them were streaming live online, okay. which gave our show a very big niche because people would come on our show because they didn't have the, the cameras, the gear, the video gear. They didn't know how to do it. They're DJs. They focus on finding music and playing music at events. Right. Well, all that got shut down. Those 10 million other, those, those other 9 million, 950,000 <laughs> DJs or whatever out there, yeah. they all jumped online and started doing live streaming shows. 
Wow. So everyone's online now doing their own. I mean, from, from the top of the game, major top level celebrity DJs to the lower, the brand new DJ who's just getting equipment right out of the box. All right, let's get into this. I, uh, I'm old and I, <laughs> and I understand DJing. I get it. I don't club. I don't, I don't even look like someone who clubs. I, uh, actually they probably wouldn't even let me in, but, uh, so, so walk me through this. So like, um, there's bands, you know, um, hard rock bands, you know, these are great bands, whatever. And, and the DJ world is kind of the same thing, right? But mm -hmm. they're basically taking music that's been performed by other people and cutting it up into music of their own. Yes. They, You're probably some... like, holy shit, I got to explain DJ to this guy. What an idiot. But I'm, but I'm just, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, not everybody is as aware of this world i mean it's, it's like rap if i sat down and talk with rap same same you know um but djing is like it's like a whole genre of music that's performed by these djs and 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 you know uh, the younger crowd i guess you'd say i don't know what like 30 and under maybe i don't know <laughs> i'm dating myself but like yeah. like it's really a big thing with a big following now a lot of times the people that I hear about who, who are DJing, you know, Shaq or that little Hilton kid and, you know, this kind of stuff. <laughs> can you say that? I don't know if you can say that. I don't want to offend any of your people. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 do people aspire to be DJ? I mean, like, I, I, it's just a whole world that I'm aware of but not very familiar with. Very much so. It was really, um, I'd say... Over the course of the last 10 years, electronic music has become one of the largest genres in the world. It was always large overseas. It was always huge. Yeah, Here true. in America, we had the rock band. And where we saw the, the rise in you know, the late 90s, the mid 90s to, to 2000s, in the 2000s, we saw the rock band. We saw the Nirvana, the grunge movement. Yeah. And once that all went through, and we saw hip hop and rap also emerge. Um, out of all that time as well. But the DJ, the nightclub really didn't start taking off to look once it got popularized through the festival circuit in America. And these DJs then became superstars. I mean, you have DJs playing events where there's 200,000 people. And they're making stupid money on them too, right? Yeah. Like real money. Yeah. You're talking about like the world's top 100 DJs. Now you have a nightclub and you know, what I realized, this is the funny thing of how the DJ sessions actually got started. I was producing one of my nine broadcast television shows. And one of them was called ITV um, Live Music, where we bring a band in. The band would have to set up all their equipment. They'd sing and perform three songs in our studio. Then we'd post it and put it on broadcast television. Well, after doing all my shows, I found that the DJ show, filming a DJ, was the easiest to produce. I put on some cameras, let them do their thing on the turntables, and I just go and switch the switcher yeah and then I post it and, and put it up online sure and being able to do that live you're right it's like a live radio show now at this point only we're bringing cameras into the studio and then and then obviously it's with radio it's it's usually aired once and it's gone unless the station is actually podcasting or archiving that episode that right. footage which then you got to go into all your licensing rights <laughs> and um that's the one thing i think that's really been keeping people back um so much as, as making money or making a living doing the streaming of music is because of the copyright laws that are out there. So how does um, that, how does that work then? If, if you have DJ whomever 
and they're cutting up all these albums and they're playing them. Technically, you're playing copyrighted music. Yeah. So, so yeah. which you could, you can't even do that in a live setting, right? Uh, as far as live production goes, um, the only medium that we've found that has been forgiving is Twitch. And Twitch has kind of said out there that, well, actually it says right on Twitch's website, you're not supposed to do DJ sets. Oh. First and foremost, no Oops. DJ sets. And, and, basically, and this, these terms and conditions are on every single website out sure. there. Well, Say, that's to protect don't them. use copywritten material. Right. I mean, that's just, and, and they act in a, in a way, so I got a car down, so I hope that bass isn't translating to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, they all act in a way of, okay, if the publishing person that owns the rights to it, if they come to us and tell us, Hey, they're using our stuff, they'll take it down. Right. So like kind of like a, you're swimming in the water with sharks, but you know, you're getting into a situation where it could get sticky. Now Twitch, on the other hand, they will mute your video on demand, your VOD, your, your post recording. And they'll put a six, they'll put a six minute blanket around whatever song they deem. They'll still let your video sit there, but unless you're a, a, an affiliate partner or featured partner, your video is only there for 14 days and then they end up pulling uh, it down. Gotcha. So okay. uh, if somebody were to file a complaint against Twitch, by the time the complaint got to Twitch, went through their legal, and then even they wanted to answer back, the video is off. It's, it's done. Wow. So, you oh. know, it's very interesting when it comes to audio, but the moment you sync any video, it could be black. It could be a black background. You sync the audio with video, you have to get a sync license. And then you have to get a master use license for the supposed to get this for the live stream. But then also if you put it on video on demand, you got to go get another sync license and master use. Now, when you're doing wow. a DJ show and you got 12 to 15 songs every hour and you're producing 16 to 20 hours of content a month, or, I'm sorry, a week. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? And as an independent person, I have to go research each one of these songs, not only contact the publishing house, find out how much they're going to charge me, pay them, then get the license back in my hand. Then I can say, I got the license before I did this, so I'm okayed. And that process alone could take do that? anywhere from, it could take two days, it could take two months. You know, so if they don't, do you and do? if they don't answer you back, you can't really use their music. So who has the ability to do that for each and every single song? Well, and then on top of that, every, they cut up how many songs to make one song. Because I, I know um, with YouTube is the only one that I've run into that they must have some wicked software because they'll they'll find anything. And and it's it's the weirdest times, too, where like uh, in the beginning of my podcasting, I, you know, I had uh, one of my co-hosts was big into music and I and I just play a little little bit, you know, just a taste. But then, you know, uh, you just get in the groove and you forget and they nail it right away. Like they like I I have to watch myself now, but I. Uh, <laughs> You know, and and I think that uh, I, the process of of getting that, I, I get it. It's it's not easy to do for a reason, but for something like what you're doing, that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but isn't there I like mean, a radio station license you can get in order to play it? it unfortunately, those licenses only cover for audio use, <laughs> not video use. And is is it different when you're then profiting off of it, like you're? But I guess you're not. You're acting like a station would anyway. So so really, it's just the video piece that's killing you. Yeah, yeah, the video component. And that's why you see a lot of podcasts. Like, we've seen the resurgence of podcasting come out. And a lot of them are still audio podcasts to this day. Um, you know, but but 
most people will figure it out sooner or later when they try to obviously push it to YouTube or push it to Facebook and right. they get flagged. I mean, I just got a notice on a video that I put up 10 years ago from one of my first shows at the DJ sessions. Really? Getting flagged on YouTube. Does that and mean I'm someone, like, 10 years to find this out? <laughs> someone must have complained then. Some, I mean, it's either someone complained or their algorithms just looked at it. And so the big question is, is now that everyone, when they first started streaming live a few months ago, um, they were using Facebook and they were complaining that Facebook is the problem. Facebook, let me stream my music. They didn't understand copyright law as a whole. And so the, there was this huge migration of people going from Facebook over to Twitch because Twitch was known not to block your, block your content when it's going live. Right. Now, Twitch is run by Amazon. Okay, Google, Google owns YouTube. Amazon is pretty much running Twitch. Twitch is its own separate company, but Amazon does a lot of their back-end stuff. Yeah. They have money to put the algorithms in place. <laughs> yeah, right. Start finding their live feeds. At one point, Microsoft, which owned Mixer, which just got sold over to Facebook, actually, uh, they were testing the idea of being able to, if I'm doing a live gaming stream with you, and I swear it would mute my swear words before it went across that they were the technology's there. Wow. It's just, are they going to implement it? Wow. You know, they, they got it obviously for video. I, I could post a video to Twitch and it's immediately red flag goes one, two, three, four, five, six, these six songs and it'll automatically do it. So if they can do it in video on demand, they can do it during live stream. And wow. it said, I read something a few months ago that Twitch is actually going back to all their users to 2010 and going forward on saying you have copyright notices, you can't keep these videos here, or we're gonna we're gonna take down your account. We're gonna start penalizing people for doing it because now all eyes are on Twitch. But they don't give you. But they don't give you like. Is there an option to, uh, um, like like there there hasn't been an opportunity for you to buy a certain level of licensure to allow you to do this? There's no when it comes to performance. And this is where most people hit the first front door. They go to get ASCAP, CSAC, BMI. They go to there, but those are only performance licenses allowing you to perform. So if I go out and do one of our events in a public park, I have to have performance rights for that. Then if I want to live stream it, I got to get master use and sync rights for it as well. Now in ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, those can be blanket licenses for the entire library. So like if you want to use Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince, you know, yeah. all those you get those three licenses and you, you fill out the form, you tell them how much money you're making and you submit, you know, quarterly or yearly, how much you took in and they base your license off of that. Okay. You don't have anything like a, what's called a, would be a blanket license for sync or master use. You have to contact each individual owner in by, by ownership. It gets even crazier, it gets even crazier. So let's say there's multiple publishers that own the song. Oh. And, and this publisher says, okay, I'll give you the rights for a dollar. This publisher says $2. This publisher says three. This publisher says four. This publisher says five. You got five different ownerships. You have to pay all of them the $5 fee. Oh, you have to go with the highest. You have to go with the highest. Yeah. Wow. And, and then the chances that they can, they might say, yeah, we'll license it to you to live stream but we are not going to license it to you for video on demand. And if we are going to license it to you for video on demand, we're not going to do it for in perpetuity forever. We're going to let you license it for a year or two years. So, so then you're either you're crazy or you're making a lot of money. One of the two, like, like, yeah. you know, what, where, what gives, like, why would you put yourself through that? 
And it's only because of this form of music that you would have to do that. You yep. know what I mean? Like other artists uh, who uh, compose and originate music, they don't deal with any of that. No. And, and it, it's actually funny that actually the people that are using samples are, they don't understand when they buy that sample pack from guitar center to make their songs, that that sample pack is not licensed for commercial use. So you have them going to making their own music using these sample packs. They put it up on YouTube and YouTube says flagged for copyright content. Cause you didn't buy the commercial rights to use that. You bought the at home rights to use that. Really? That's amazing. Uh-huh. Cause I know <laughs> yes. when I was putting yeah. my, uh, when I was putting my uh, intro and outro together for the show, uh, my uh, producer at the time was, it was just fascinating to me because it was a whole other world. I mean, obviously I knew about copyright, whatever, but he, he, you know, he said, well, give me an idea of what you want. And I played it for him and he just picked it apart and redid the whole thing by ear so that it was different and we can use it because it's his music, but it's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're not changing the music. You're just only using parts of it, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And How long do you have to sit on something? Is, is that all about copyright, though? Even though it's hurting, it's going to start stifling the independent musician in the sense of the, the DJ. It's going to stifle them, but it's also there to protect them. Oh, for sure. It, From a it, financial it the standpoint. Door so you can't have 100% ironclad protection and then 100% let's give everything away for free. Right. That just doesn't work you know no. how are they going to make any money well and i still am, am oops i'm still fascinated by the fact that uh you know now that we're in this digital download era of music like you know i don't know how many albums well actually i could tell you all the albums i've bought in my life you know i like two songs on there and the rest of whatever i would you know where now you're, you're buying just the song but there's like and i guess it's a give and a take because you don't have to do you don't have to print cds or print albums or cassettes but like, you're getting like a buck or, you know, I mean, I, I, how do you make any money? You have to do live shows as a musician. Otherwise I, to make it in that world right now, it's gotta be completely different than what it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I've seen a whole, the whole industry completely in a sense being destroyed. They're, they're running out of their PPP loan money now. I mean, this isn't just the performers. This is the behind the scenes, the staging, the lighting, yeah. the audio engineers, the people who staff the stadiums, you know, the CARES Act is about to run out. Yeah. Their PPP for their employees is, is running out. They're running out. There's not anything for them to do. So we're going to see a lot. This is going to be very interesting at the end of July, especially. And it's the entertainment industry that is getting the, they're, they're kind of bearing the brunt of all this. They're the last thing that comes up on these politicians' minds when right. it comes to saving the industry. Yeah. You know? Well, and I know, uh, a lot of comedians that I follow and, and follow them real close, they're dying. They're like, some of them are doing, uh, uh, well, Bert uh, Kreischer's doing drive-in movie theaters and he's, do, you know, he's doing all right with it. But a lot of these guys are going nuts. They're like, you know, cause who knows when they can come back. They got baseball coming back here Friday and there's no fans in the stands. They're going to pipe in music. Ah, you know, it's just weird. So to yeah. think that, you know, the, you're right. The, the, you know, a, a, a lot of what you think of as an entertainer, you know, a lot of these people have more than enough money to make it. It's not a problem, but it is the, the stage guys and the, the roadies and all the people that make the magic happen that are going to, are going to run short. Oh, man, it's yeah. You just don't think about it. I, I work close. I work closely with a group of people that actually put on 
the first ever drive-through rave in the world here in Seattle. Oh, really? And yeah, they just, they basically opened up their warehouse, put all their stuff out, and then had cars come into the parking lot, 20 cars at a time would pull in and watch the show for an hour. They weren't allowed to leave their cars, and then they'd drive off, and then we'd bring <laughs> the another, next round in. And I was uh, the company that was doing all the live streaming for that. And, um, you know, they were, they were in talks to do some bigger shows until just recently, the governor of our state came in and said, you are not allowed to do any live entertainment indoor or outdoor and specifically mentioned drive-in concerts. So the guys I'm working with, they wrote a letter to the governor saying, okay, this doesn't make any sense. You'll allow drive-through churches to happen and people can go to church in their car. You'll let drive-in movie theaters happen and let people go see a drive-in movie, but you won't let us come and drive up and see a performer play on stage. That's weird. And, and that kind of that kind of brings me to uh, what we were talking about earlier, your uh, silent discos that you're doing. Uh, I think, I think I, you know, my kid, uh, he's going to be a sophomore in college this year, and one of their first events as a freshman in college was one of these, what we call, what you'd call a silent you know, dance party where everybody's wearing headphones and they got maybe uh, like glow uh, sticks on them or something. So tell us about that. Cause you're battling, you won the battle uh, with, with the state and the, and the, and the powers that be to allow you to do this. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So we do a series that is kind of our, our, our bread and butter, what we're putting out there uh, where we used to work with a lot of nightclubs and a lot of promoters and go to the nightclubs and, and, and be on site. We're now doing our own events and we do this via what's called silent disco technology. Essentially, it's a pair of headsets and you put it on and through radio transmission, we broadcast the DJs playing live. And each of these headsets have multiple channels so we can have multiple DJs playing at the same time. And you just choose which DJ you want to listen to and you can go a thousand feet away from our DJ booth and be wherever you want in the park or wherever. So we're doing these events at public parks and so they're open to the public. The public can come. Um, the, the county and they, the city have opened up these parks. So they're public places. And we go in with our silent disco technology, and it's a completely noiseless system. We don't even run a generator. <laughs> we have a that's going to be awesome backup to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we have people. And the way we hand out the headsets, we'll rather upload some videos here in the next day or two to our, to our site. And you'll see how basically we put a six-foot table that barriers us between us and the public. And we like, it's almost like you're looking at me doing a craps table with the, you know, I'm pushing the headsets oh, sure. across to them at the end of the table. There's two bottles of Purell. All the headsets are sanitized and they're already in their own plastic bag with a Purell wipe inside the bag, just in case somebody really wants to wipe it down. Right. And when they, when they come back and drop the headsets off, they place them at the bucket in the bucket at the end of the table. And then I just, when they walk away, I go grab the bucket, bring them back, sanitize the headsets and put them away. So is that then, that's how you basically charge admission is by people renting the headsets? Uh, we charge, we, we actually, we are, the DJ Sessions is actually a nonprofit charitable organization, Washington State nonprofit charitable organization. So we accept donations for our services um, uh-huh. instead of charging. Because the moment you start to charge uh-huh. in a park for an event, you are now, you have to get an event permit to do that. <sighs> and then you have to pay taxes on the ticket sales. So we take, we accept donations. Uh-huh. I like it. Boy, you have got all of the politics down. 
Yeah, pretty much. And, and, you know, I, I would mention something I could, I would have to keep it off record, but some good news that happened to us the other day is um, we've been working closely with, with the city on some stuff. And and one of the city officials um, actually gave us kind of the okay green light on Sunday to say, what you guys are doing, you're not breaking any rules. So that's go awesome. For it. And they, they obviously there was an official statement or an official email and, but they upper, the upper, the people that we know that we're working with, they know what we're doing because we're basically writing the playbook for them when they want to do their events. Cause they're going to bring us back to the table because we were supposed to be doing events from the summer anyways. Wow. So, and and yeah. did, did you, have you held an event then since all of this? Like, like since he said they gave you the green light or that just yeah, happened? I, no, we were out there on, on Saturday and Sunday this, this past weekend. I'm editing the footage right now. On and my, how was on the response from the, from the. It was great. We actually have signage up that explains what we're doing okay. and explains how to partake in our event. That way I don't have to say the same thing 50 times over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right, people right. come up and they look at the sign and they're like, what is this all about? And they go, that's a brilliant idea Yeah, because you actually, you are doing something for the public. You're providing a service and people can collectively come and share the same experience together while social distancing, while being at a park. And, and right now we're in phase two. So you can have up to five people, from different households together in a park. So as long as they're staying six feet away from each other, then they can, they can come to the park and dance and do their thing. We were out, there was on Saturday when we did our show, we went to a, a beach, a place here called golden gardens. And with the exception of everyone wearing a mask and they were all masked up, looked great. You would have thought it was a regular Saturday afternoon and uh, summer afternoon in Seattle. There was probably 3000, 4,000 people there. Wow. With headsets on. Oh, no, 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 oh, not just, the beach, just in general. the beach. Yeah. Okay. So what we did is where we positioned ourselves on Saturday, we're going to now reposition us in the middle on the beach section. And then we're going to go out and hand out two headsets to every group of five people saying, here's two free headsets and try to get the other people to join on board. So we can kind of get those encampments of the people who are social distancing at the park to want to join in. Oh man. That's so we got, cool. Right now we have 200 headsets and I was, I was in in the process of getting it ready to buy 300 to 700 more this summer. Cause, cause it, it, pandemic or no pandemic, you were doing this, right? This was yeah. your plan anyway. It just had to be a little delayed and a little different uh, way that you handed them out. Um, yeah. They were very, they were very nervous. The, 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 the guy who kind of gave us the green light on Sunday, he was nervous because he thought it was going to promote a gathering. And even when the, the police officers, they called the police on us, they came out and they're like, have you really looked at this guy's operation? There's nobody gathering around. There's more people Safe. at the park sitting over there that, that are even, he's the only guy at his booth right now. Right. There's nobody around him. So you're basically harassing or chastising this guy who's actually doing everything the right and correct way when there's hundreds of other people out here doing it the wrong way. Wow. Leave this guy alone. That's good to hear, though. And in, in this day and age, I'm in Minneapolis. The cops don't do anything oh. right here. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, what are they? Well, they, uh, <laughs> and so then do you bring in big name DJs and stuff? Or, or right now you're in-housing it all and doing it yourself? Or, or how, how does uh, that we work? Have, we, we have our resident DJs and we're, we're bringing on some, we're always looking for new DJs to bring on board. Uh, we're going to be expanding to other markets here in the near future. And also we are going to start bringing in our own headliner DJs to do our own shows so that the show format 
could, this is one of the concepts we're toying with is the first a typical nightclub opens up from 10 o'clock till 2 a.m. That's just the typical venue yeah. times, a four hour show. I've heard about so that. Four hour, in our four hour show, we can have 12 DJs open up for the headliner and then have the headliner go on last okay. and have them be only on one channel. So everyone's tuned in and just watching the headliner. So the opportunity here for musicians or DJs, whereas in the traditional nightclub, you have a Friday night and a Saturday night, you can only put on two or three DJs before the headliner goes on. Right. So it's very, it's very limited, but with all the nightclubs being closed, these DJs, they're all playing from their home bedrooms or going over to their friends' houses and doing house parties, but nobody's putting on an event, let alone there's no opportunity to play in front of a live crowd. Right. That's where we can come in and actually do this and do it safely. And again, since we don't have any amplified music, we don't need a permit. Right. Wow. And, uh, and, and this, this technology has been around for a little while, right? Like you're not. I believe it was introduced somewhere in 2007 over in Europe. A guy did a, a concert, the first ever concert using the headphones and then kind of got big in Europe, moved into the East Coast, went down South and then made his way up to the West Coast. And I'm one of the, I'd say one of two companies in Seattle that, that actually does this. There's a couple of people out there. But as far as doing what we're doing, we're the only ones doing what we're doing. And most of those companies are production companies. They're rental companies. They're not necessarily event promotions and or live streaming companies. And so they aren't out there in the business of trying to get A-list celebrity interviews, oh, A-list sure. DJs. Um, they they're more, if you wanted these headsets for your wedding, you'd rent them from, from them. Right, it's, right. And we do that too. We do that as well. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients like Amazon, Facebook. I do uh, weddings and um, private parties. The cool thing about our headsets though, is we have four channel headsets. Most people out there only have three channel headsets and our new headset, the new purchase that I'll do here probably later this year, we're going to have nine channels in our headsets. So you have nine DJs playing at the same time. And do the, do the nine DJs, do they have to be on site or can you then pipe them in to do it so that they could do it from their studio I mean, yeah. obviously they want to be there. They want to be out the show and whatever, but you know, nine DJs in one spot. I mean, you're, you're looking at the perfect uh, storm. So if you, if, if you <laughs> well, had the ability for them to run from wherever they are, I don't know. Yeah. We would, we would social distance back in the day when we first started live streaming. Now they're coming for you. One of the ideas, what's that? Now they're coming for you. Oh yeah. No, I live on uh, what I call third and crime. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a website dedicated to it called third and crime.org. It is uh, the worst intersection in the downtown Seattle area. Really? I put up 24 seven, 24 seven cameras I'm that look, look down up. and I do reporting when, when stuff happens. That's another story though. <laughs> you got all so, kinds of stuff going on. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, we toyed with the idea of actually doing a virtual concert, like what everyone's doing now. They're doing these virtual concerts. Yeah. Or we wanted to toy with the idea of doing a virtual concert but have the virtual concert done at a nightclub. This is years ago. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, we were talking about doing this kind of stuff and, and live streaming a DJ into the club. And then the DJ, it would be a, you know, a, a cast, a live stream into the, only that club. You wouldn't be able to watch it online, but you wouldn't have to maybe pay the DJ's cost of airfare, hotel, right. rider costs, all that stuff. They'd just be set up in their home studio and be playing to the audience and they could live interact and chat live with the audience saying, Hey, you in the front row in the blue shirt. How's it going? You know, or even get on a microphone well, and be like, think with hey, crowd, welcome. 
This is Dead Mouse, and I'm coming to you live from my studio. How's it going, Seattle? Yeah. Well, and even with today's technology, you should almost be able to put a screen up and they could interact much like what we're doing right now, you know, where the, where it's virtual. <laughs> but because, I mean, it's not like um, it's not like when you have a band and they're all need to be. Well, and they don't even need to be together anymore with technology. But, it, you know, I, it's just such a fascinating world that you can do so much with it. And, and the pandemic is obviously, you know, pushing it forward because now everybody knows they can, you know, live stream from home or they can, you know, record at home or, or do whatever. I know uh, my, my, one of my other businesses is uh, commercial voiceover and it's a horrible time to be in the business because everybody and their brothers got all the time in the world to be out there auditioning for work because they don't have their real job. And it's like, this pandemic needs to end. These people got to go back to what they do. Get out of it's- my world. It's funny you bring that up. I am estimating after being in broadcast, you know, being in the industry for 28 years, uh, working in every facet from, you know, public access to broadcast television, to podcasting, to live streaming. I'm, I'm conservatively, I'm going to say conservatively, we're going to see a 60% on the high end. We're going to see an 80% drop in content creation and we're going to see a 60 to 80% drop in content consumption when people are able to go back to work because they're not going to be stuck in front of their computer for 12 hours a day. Right. Let alone if you can go out and start doing stuff, say like Disneyland opens back up yeah, or, you know, the attractions that the tourists, you could go traveling again. I have a feeling people are going to have a little bit of PTSD of wanting to spend any time in front of the computer yeah, because they just spent the last six months in front of the computer. So, you know, what's going to happen to those content creators. And like you said, those people going back to work, you're, you're going to see, the audition pools maybe dry up. Yeah. You know, there won't be, people are going to go back to work. <laughs> you know? Well, and I, yeah. I found with my podcast that since the pandemic, I mean, there's no traffic on the roads, nobody's commuting. So inevitably that's a lot of downloads that aren't, aren't, you know, people are now at home doing whatever. They're not listening to podcasts, maybe light music in the background, but you know, when you're in your car by yourself, you're going to listen to a podcast where people are talking and whatever. But when you're at home and you, oh, well, I can run and do laundry or I can do, you know, so you get sidetracked. So there's really the numbers and the uh, statistics for, for what's happening currently in, in my world anyway, are going to change dramatically. Just like you're saying, there's, there's mm-hmm. so many people that are doing things that they're not used to doing. And, and Hey, maybe a lot of people are finding a new niche, you know, who knows, but from yeah. a, from a perspective of what you're able to do with, uh, the technology and things that have been pushed to the forefront. I mean, really, did you, I've, I've been doing so many of these podcasts on zoom that it's just become the normal thing, you know, because yeah. nobody wants to come into the studio anymore, which whatever, I mean, eventually they will again, but I, you know, but I, it, you just become accustomed to it. And, and it's really interesting where we are because with all the bad, there is some good because the technology is booming and, and I got to think, you know, they say makes make make hay while the sun shines. You're you're the sun is shining on your program right now because there is nothing else. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. So why not and go dance in the park? I mean, when I went through and wrote the playbook on all of this and had to go look at all the documents, what the letter read the letter of the law, what was able to be done, what couldn't be done, and just to make sure I mean I have my playbook that I have sitting with me at the table in case anyone comes over and I go, here it is in black and white. Yeah. You know, you cannot refute this. This is exactly what, and it's not up for conjecture or speculation. There's um, a lot of that going on right now. All the 
you know, I have, I have somebody on, on, on Facebook today, they were talking about, you know, these renegade parties that are being thrown. These kids are going out in the woods and throwing these graves and concerts out in the woods. And I go, it's so funny because on one side of the fence, I'm against that because I know they're not going to be following the social distancing guidelines. Right. But here I am. I'm also kind of putting on my own events, but I am following the social distancing guidelines. Right. And I feel like they're not putting these protocols into place that we put into place. Um, hence the reason why they're throwing these renegades out in the woods off the path. Don't get the address until day of the event type of thing. Back, back what it was like in the old school 90s yeah. days, yeah. rave parties. Um, you know, I, I think those are very highly, highly dangerous situations for people to go into. I mean, if, if, if they all had to use the same porta potty, okay. Right. I mean, what, where do they, are, are they just going out in the woods, but then you have people and what really comes down to, it's not so much the event as it is people getting intoxicated or doing other recreational things at these events. And then their, their sense of, their sense of, um, safety gets lowered and yeah, they might sure. run around without a mask on, or they might get close into, I'm over here talking to this group of five people, and now I'm going to walk over and talk to this group of five people, or I'm going to get all sweaty dancing, and then I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Well, and I know I just saw a post uh, before we got on that our governor here in Minnesota now, as of uh, Saturday, uh, everyone has to wear a mask when you're outdoors, you know, in public. Um, which, yeah. you know, they maybe should have, they maybe should have done that a long time ago because really there's a lot of cavalier people out there who aren't going to play along no matter what. They're the same people that are, you know, carrying guns into kids parties in case something breaks out, you know, this kind of thing. Um, they're, they're just not going to do it, which now, now that they mandated, it's like, all right now, cause really the mask is going to stop it, you know, at the spread dramatically i can't say completely but they said if everybody if they did this in every state they could have this thing under control in like two months yeah we we should have done it right out of the gate i mean really i mean there was a mask shortage yeah but there isn't now let's do it i don't know my wife said she went to costco and they're out of toilet paper again can't go through another toilet paper shortage i just don't have it in me (laughs) here's the one i don't get what is up with this chain shortage oh i know they're how saying do, that how, how do we also not have enough money. change? So it's out of circulation. It's so weird. But was, with that, maybe they'll go, you know what? We don't need change because they've been saying that for how long? You know, let's get rid of change and just go with bills or maybe just a quarter or something. I know at my ice cream store, we've got the pricing set up so we don't have to, you know, we just do quarters, none of the small stuff. Uh, so yeah. maybe that'll come out of it, you know, because truly, well, you know, you talk about a way to pass a virus. Woo. You know, give me, give me a handful of change. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. Was it done? Did, was it something that they executed that said, we're just going to take circulation of currency out of the mix? No, I think there's just so many people that have now, uh, you know, like your coffee shops and whatever, they won't even take money. So you're using the cards. So it's just, it's out of circulation right now. No one's moving change around. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think it was at a level where there's a shortage. I mean, it's posted everywhere that there's a change, you know, a change shortage. But it's, you know, whatever. I don't care. Don't give me the small change. And I don't want to sound like a pig. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need it. But it, 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 half the time you lose it anyway. You know, it's like. And, and that it. was the thing. It's like a lot of people at our events, they wanted to pay with cash. And I'm like, no, you got to sign up, go through Eventbrite and buy a ticket. Um, because not only that, that's not only going to. What they do is when they buy that ticket, they agree to our liability for Yeah, us. right. 
and and they hold us harmless from anything that may happen at our events. I mean, if they came up and tripped over one of our cables and fell, they could sue us. Right. It's like you're not gonna, you're not going to hold us liable. They have to sign a personal release. So because if they get on camera, I can have somebody say, "I don't want my image on camera." Well, you signed up for the personal release. So yeah. Well, and on yeah. top of that, you um you probably have I know uh, here anyway. If if you have a gathering of sorts and someone were to get it then you have their information so that you can then say, Hey, just so you know, I don't know which group they were in, but one of the people here does have it, you know, it happens. And I I haven't been called yet, knock on wood. Um, but you know, just to, as a safety measure, plus, you know, again, transferring of cash is, you know, my, my ice cream store, we got this little thing. You put your card in there. We wipe it all down. We don't touch anything, you know, cause Because really, a lot of the things, and I don't want to make this a a COVID uh, podcast, but a lot of the things when I go to restaurants and uh, and and shops, and the and the servers are wearing the mask or the little shield. Why aren't we doing that all the time? Like you're serving me food, why you know? And you're talking to Bobby over there, and you're spraying. You know that that should just be normal procedure. And then wiping everything down. Why aren't we doing that all the time? That seems like it should be normal. Yeah. And that's the, the one thing about our events is that if somebody comes, they're not going to, there's no way one of us could transmit anything to them. Cause we're never near them. We don't even, they don't even come up to like probably in your ice cream shop, you're behind the counter, you have the plexiglass up mm-hmm. and they're putting their card in the card reader, but you're maybe getting within a couple feet of that person yeah. at our events. We're six feet at all times They're They don't come in our zone. Mm-hmm. So it, the, the whole bags are all sand. There's only one person that hands out the bags. I've been tested. I'm usually the one that's been doing it. Right. So I, I'm negative. I don't, I haven't been tested for antibodies yet, but long story short, I'm still passing that headset across the table to them. They're usually already putting the lotion, you know, the um, sanitizer, sure. Sanitizer on their hands at that point. And if they want to another measure of security, they can pull out that Purell wipe and wipe the headsets off or wipe their hands down or whatever again. So, um, you know, we kind of don't get that close to our customers. I think, I, th- you know, and, and that, that precaution is only going to help in the future, you know, but mm-hmm. a, a, again, like we were saying, there's a, a yin and a yang to everything, but is, is people's immunity going to be compromised for other things? Because we're, hands are so clean, surfaces are so clean that you're not, you're not building up uh, anything against any of the other diseases that are out there. Oh, it's yeah. messy. It's really messy. I know. But, but like I said, we're just, we're really, we're about a message of positivity and, and getting people out and doing something. When, when we originally launched our safe events, one of the city's policies is they said, okay, in phase one, you can go out to a park, parks are open, but we want you to, their campaign was called keep it moving. They didn't want you going to the park and setting up and having a picnic. They wanted you to go to the park and keep walking through the park. Right. So our campaign on the back end of that was keep it moving and grooving. There you go. So you come by, grab a pair of headsets from us to be able to walk all through the park on the headsets uh, while listening to the DJ play or, you know, keep dancing as, as long as there's some, you're getting some kind of activity yeah. while out at a public park. For sure. You know, and that, they were, they were, they were kind of, they liked it when I, when I told them about it, of course they can't officially endorse us yet, no. but. Well, so now, uh, so now what are we, uh, are you going to other parks? Are you going to go to other States? What, what's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. My plan is I'm actually in talks with somebody to do one down in Portland. I'm talking to somebody down in San Francisco 
uh, one of our sponsors, our potential sponsors coming on board wants us to actually take our show on the road. And when we go to each state, do the pop-up silent discos, uh, parties with notable DJs, influencers from that city, and also book headliner A-list celebrity DJs to play as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're, cool. we're pretty excited over here. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Do you yeah. do you think it would have as much traction if we weren't in a pandemic? You know, I felt, uh, uh, the honest answer to that, I felt bad for feeling so good right. in March. Because I sat back and said, you know what? I can do something around this. Right. And I felt bad that the industry is shut down. A lot of my friends, a lot of people that I know, I, I see restaurants that are closed for good, going out of business. They just can't sustain. And the impact that it had, and I was like, I, I, I felt a little guilty for feeling so good. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm happy COVID happened. Right. I was like, it sucks COVID happened, but what can I do during this time? Can right. I operate? Can I go do what we've been doing? And the answer was yes. Yeah. Wow. That's and cool. So, you know, being, being the person that's my friend, one of my good friends, um, good friend of mine has always said, Darren, you know, the first over the wall gets the bloodiest. And so I am one of those first over the wall people, um, you know, and there, there are people that will come out and say, you shouldn't be doing that. You're encouraging. I'm like, just today I had to, I said, have you ever been to one of our events? Have you ever taken a look at our protocols? Have, do you see how we run our operations? you'll see that we're running one of the safest operations around. Yeah. Well, you just shouldn't be doing it anyways. Wait a second. Okay. You're going to tell me how to breathe now too. Yeah, right. Right. Well, and it, to bubble gum. I don't know, man. I'm like, there's some people you're just never going to make them happy. I know uh, with the podcast, I get the, you know, the same people that squawk and it's like, just go away. You know, if you don't want to listen, don't listen. I don't, there's plenty of others we don't you know and 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 there's people that are just going to complain because it's it's something new it's it's something that you know nobody else is doing so it's it's i hate to use cutting edge but it's it's definitely during a pandemic you're on the forefront of how we can get out and and be entertained again because that's what people are starving for <laughs> i'm not new to this if you knew my other company i alternative media i'm in basically out of home marketing i do mobile billboard trucks and floating oh, billboards sure. and guerrilla street team marketing, chalk spray painting, all that fun stuff. Nice. I was the, I was a guy who, um, I don't know why anyone didn't do this before me, but back in 2012, I launched a division of my company that did amphibious billboards or floating billboards. And in Washington, we have two floating bridges on Lake Washington. And, um, oh. one of the bridges gets 150,000 cars. Well, now it's up to 185,000 cars a day. And the other bridge, the toll bridge gets about 70,000 cars a day. Well, I went and put these floating billboards out next to the bridge and the state, like the state, the city, they lost their. Really? Collapse. Yeah. They, they tried to come in and after I did all my fact checking, all my research, there was no laws governing them. They couldn't say anything. They even told me it was okay. And then uh, the local NBC affiliate came out and did a news piece on me. And once he was in the back of the boat and I didn't know what he was going to say, I didn't know what he was going to find out. He goes, I've talked to the Seattle planning and development department and the Seattle police department. And both of them say there are no regulations regarding floating billboards. I went, yes. So what do you just anchor it to the ground then? And actually, no, I can't anchor it to the ground because that would make me need to get a permit for using the land. And I have to get, go. it's a whole slew of stuff. So I towed them behind a boat and they're constantly in motion. As I tow them behind a little, I got a little dinghy that I use the tome. 
behind. Really? Yeah, they they flipped, they flipped. They were and then they came back and they tried to tell everyone. They told the the major newspaper out here what I was doing was illegal cuz I didn't have a permit to do it. But there are no permits you can do. There there's no permitting for it. It's it's just the kind of stuff that the press and media and I've been in film and television production and know how to control a narrative. And they tried to paint it that they said Seattle sinks floating billboard idea. No, they didn't. I was still out there doing what I'm doing. How often do you have them out there? Uh, just varies. Depends on what time of year. It can be, you know, sometimes four times a month. Depends on the campaign. Usually I try to get my clients and tell them that a good, a good campaign is going to be two days a week for four weeks. And, and everyone, when you drive across this bridge, you come right up, you come right off the island and you open up to the water and you're like, whoa, this is beautiful. And you go, what the heck is that? And everyone looks at it and wow. sees it. So it's, it's yeah. Priceless wow. marketing. <laughs> there you go. You got your hands in everything, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we, and then we have part of that company. We do mobile billboards mm-hmm. where we drive around with, with signs on the side of our truck with our loud sound system. But in addition to that, the DJ sessions, we use that truck as our mobile television studio. So think of a big glass box on wheels that we can drive around and we have the DJs playing out of with a loud sound system that we can stream live as we're driving around. You can check that out on our website. The series is called The DJ Sessions Presents The Mobile Sessions. The Mobile Sessions. And when we take the show on the road, when we start going to City City, we're going to do something that I brought up about 10 years ago. I still haven't gotten around to doing it, but we are going to launch it. It's going to be called The DJ Sessions Presents The Freeway Sessions, the fastest moving DJ show in the world. And what we'll do is we'll travel from city to city with DJs in the back of the truck, driving down the freeway, streaming live while we're driving down the freeway till we get to the city. And then when we get to the city, we throw a party, we throw an event with those DJs. Right. Then we pick another round of DJs from that city and drive down to the next city. Wow. There you, look at that. There you go. The whole DJ world. Ooh, yeah. I love yeah, it, man. I love it. Well, I, we got to wrap this up, man. We're running long. Tell everybody where they can find all this stuff. Where can he find uh, the DJ session stuff and then the the information about the next uh, silent uh, disco party? Yeah, absolutely. Everything you'd want to find is on our website, thedjsessions.com. Uh, hashtag us, thedjsessions.com. At mention us, thedjsessions.com. We're out there on Facebook. You'll find us. Our event calendars on our Facebook page. Oh, you can also cool. go to our events page on our website. Everything's listed there. All the guidelines. Uh, we're pretty proud of the site. It just, like I said, came out of beta. And we, we basically launched the site last fall. And um, just making sure it was all ready and the, all the little bells and whistles were there. Um, so we're pretty proud of the site. It's kind of our, our, our pride and joy that we direct everyone there. You can watch all of our past 1,800 episodes there. Going, you, could, you can actually watch me. If you know where to look, you can find my first ever live streaming episodes of me on camera, just testing out, or I, I would be making hot dogs from my house or just playing around testing out the live streaming technology. But you can go back and watch the very first episode of the DJ sessions um, wow. ever 10 years ago. That's cool. So. I, well, I'm going to put a link to that on our site and well, thank uh, you. And that yeah. way people can find it and, and, and keep up on all this madness. I think, uh, I think you're doing a good thing. It's kind of it's kind of exciting, and uh, we're gonna have to check in with you down the road here to see just what uh, what the next chapter is in the uh, the DJ sessions. I love it, yeah. man. So thank you for everyone who uh, wants to check it out. Anybody who's in the Seattle area who wants to participate in one of these events, uh, get to the website, check it out, check out all the social media. I'm sure you're heavy duty on that everywhere you look. Um, it's that kind of an animal. So 
Darren, Bruce, we thank you so much for your time. And uh, somewhere down the road, we're going to check in on you again and see how things are going. Awesome. Darren, thank you for having me on the show. That was awesome. That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, the DK Project Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.